0: You're listening to Life Is Funny, a podcast that talks about life but doesn't take it too seriously. I'm your host, Jeff. That's right, Jeff. That's me, and you are you, and you are listening to this. And I thank you. Uh, first of all, how the heck are you? I hope you're doing well. It's been a while. Last time we were you were listening here, we were talking about ways to pee. Um, and I hope that every time you took a tinkle, uh, you thought about how you do it, and I hopefully it was uh, it was eye opening to you. Um, uh, there has been a major uptick in listeners, <laughs> which is crazy to me, uh, but also very cool and very flattering. So thank you very much. Um, because of that, I am I'm trying to make uh, this this show produced a little bit more. So, you may have noticed the intro music. There's going to be more music that's throughout the show. There's going to be distinct segments. Um, so, that's what we're going to see. That's what we're going to do. This is the first episode that is going to be produced like this. So, let's give it a whirl. So, you ready for your first intro? Wait, no. That was the audience. No. T- forget what I just said. Are you ready for the second segment of the show? Which is what has happened to me between the two episodes. I take that as a yes. Okay. Cue the music. (laughs) If I knew how to play the national anthem on guitar, that would have been (laughs) played there. But I don't. Uh, Instead, I played that song that you just heard. Um... But the only reason I would play the National Anthem is because over the past few weeks and since the last time we recorded, the 4th of July happened. Uh, I hope you all celebrated in, in patriotic ways. You know, drinking beer, going to a beach, shooting off fireworks, possibly at people you don't like, possibly for fun, hopefully legally, because I know that there's many ways to do fireworks illegally, many of which I've done before in my life. But either way, I'm not, I'm not here. To, hey, I, I am not here to judge. Hopefully you celebrated the independence of America by, by shooting off those fireworks and drinking that beer, and preferably at the same time. <sighs> I had a good uh, fourth. My, my, lady, my lady surprised me with a trip. I've not taken a vacation in like three years, so she organized this whole trip up to Lake Superior on a town called Ashland. Um, which is on a bay in Lake Superior. It's beautiful up there. Um, really cool town, too. Very small town. Uh, they have a lot of, like, murals and a cool main street. Wisconsin has a lot of these small towns that are just... It, it's sort of hard to describe. They're their own little own little world, and there's just so many of them. And each one has a really cool history, and people who live there are very proud of it, and they, they take good care of it and, and pride in where they live. Um... There was like a cool co-op that they had with local produce. And they had a whole bunch of murals. And they had a great beach you could swim at. Um, not far away from the Apostle Islands, which is a, a really cool place I'd like to go. We didn't get a chance to go this time. Um, because everything was sold out. But it was, uh, it was a great trip. Uh, did all the small town stuff that you do. Uh, for the 4th, you, you watch a parade. That was a really fun parade. There was <laughs> just a whole bunch of small town people hanging out, which is cool. Um, (laughs) The fire department at one point had a fire truck which would go like maybe a block and then to stop. And then these kids would run up and then they would just unleash this this cannon of water at their faces. (laughs) So the kids would run up so ready to get (laughs) refreshingly sprayed and then run away in terror because there's (laughs) a cannon of water being shot at them uh it was hilarious to watch um and i can't honestly i can't think of a better way to celebrate the the formation of this great nation you know i i I don't know i don't know what i'm saying anymore it was a great trip i can't wait to go back it was a cool town if you are ever in the area i highly recommend it um lake superior is awesome too what a cool i mean the great lakes are just fascinating to me that's it's really really cool um and so far i've swam in three of them one of which gave me terrible poisoning of some sort, which was Lake Michigan. Uh, but Lake Erie was fine, and then Lake Superior was great, as As of now. I don't know uh, if anything is going to happen to me later. But as of now, those two are great. Don't swim in Lake Michigan unless you're, you're far away from Milwaukee. Um, I made that mistake when I first... See, I came from the East Coast, right? I came from Maryland, and when you're in Maryland, you have the Bay, and you have the Atlantic Ocean. And when there's a beach, you swim. That's... The reason you go to the beach so if you go to the bay you see people playing volleyball the water safe to go in. you swim the ocean obviously the same thing when i first moved to milwaukee there's a beach called bradford beach and it was the same it's like a resort they had snack bars and volleyball and we met i rode my bike there i had a towel we played football i was all hot and sweaty and when you do when you go to the beach Is you get sweaty and then you jump in the water I didn't know you're not supposed to swim in Lake Michigan. So I was the only one swimming there. I thought people were crazy. Um, Turns out I didn't know that there was uh, not good water quality that day. And I uh, lost five pounds in a week after I swam. Not a good story. So, yeah, I learned that lesson the hard way. But uh, I think you could swim in Lake Michigan. I I think you can. Probably just far away from the city. That would make sense. (sighs) <sighs> but I'm not about to try uh, to experiment anymore with that. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, moving on. So, uh, the other bit of news is that the Bucks, my favorite basketball team of all time, they're in the playoffs. They're not only just in the playoffs, they're in the NBA Finals. Um... I've been a Bucks game, a fan, not a game. I've been a Bucks fan since 2010 when I moved here. Uh, when I volunteered with kids, I got free tickets to all the games that I wanted to go to. I'd go to like two games a week, um, and they were terrible. And I watched them lose. You mostly go because you want to root for the hometown team, but then also you get to see LeBron James come into town and all the stars, Kobe Bryant, all that jazz. Um, so the fact that they're actually good. For the last few years, and now the fact that they're in the finals with a really, really good chance of winning, I don't want to jinx it. Um, is even better. I'm just losing my shit during all the games. I, I can't even sit down and watch them just because I want them to win so bad. It's oh, <laughs> I, oh, I'm wound so tight. But that's okay. You know, that's why I. Uh, that's why I meditate. You know, that's why I drink beer when I watch the game. Not every game. Only ones on the weekends. I'm not some sort of crazy man. Um, the other bit of news, which I thought was very entertaining, uh, especially after the last episode of this show, uh, if you haven't listened to it, please do. It's, it's groundbreaking. I mean, it's like, it's, it's one of the deepest conversations I've ever had with another human being. Uh, we talked about peeing and how many different ways there are to, uh, to do so. Uh, Giannis, the last two games are, if you don't know basketball, we have a star. He's from Greece. His name is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Antetokounmpo. What a strong frickin' name. Giannis. Oh, I'll stop yelling. He is seven feet tall. He can run like a goddamn freight train. He can jump like a rocket. I sound like an announcer from the 1920s. <laughs> he can run like a rocket. Oh, there goes that Yanni. Um He is, he, I remember when he was a, kid, he got drafted at 19, he was skinny, he was like 110 pounds at 7 feet tall, skinny dude, he's put on like 90 pounds of muscle, and he's a two-time MVP, he, he is awesome, they call him, and I, I'm fairly certain this is quite, quite offensive uh, in many, many different ways, uh, they call him the Greek freak, which is just, <laughs> it's. I don't I don't like it one bit, but hey, that's his nickname, he hasn't said anything about it, I call him Giannis Antetokounmpo, um, he, in the last two games, has had to come out of the game right away. Uh, first of all, he's knee bent backwards. He hyperextended his knee so bad, but there was no damage to the knee. Not, nothing torn, nothing broken. He, he just hyperextended it. It was one of the most gruesome injuries I've ever seen. Like, if it, <laughs> it's crazy. And then the next game back, he scored, I think, like 30 points, 40 points, something like that. Oh, my God. It, it, he, <laughs> the fact that, A, there is no damage, and, B, the fact that he could go back and play like he did is unbelievable. If I wake up wrong, my knee is done for the day. I can't even, I, I have trouble walking. This guy dropped 40 points in an NBA game. It, it, they're 48 minutes. He's playing against NBA defenders. I couldn't score 40 points at a hoop by myself in 48 minutes. It's, he is He is so fun to watch. Anyway, I'll calm down. He had to leave the game. Uh, and everyone thought he was like, oh, his knee hurts. It's uh, ooh, He might be injured. What's going on? He had to pee. The, the two times he left the game, he said he had to pee. So, you know, I, it's just everyone pees. Okay? That, I think that's the moral of the story. Even Even superstar athletes have to pee when they get nervous. Some people sweat when they get nervous. Some people... I don't know. Get gas. Some people have to pee. I I have all three afflictions, and that's not fun to be around when I'm nervous. So, anyway, I just thought that was very humorous. And if you haven't seen the clip, you should watch it because he says I had to take a tinkle, and it is there's you couldn't write a better sketch. SNL has not been funnier than that in years. Um, it was great. So that's what's up in my life. I am gonna be rooting for the Bucks tonight. Game five, I'm going to be agonizing. I'm going (laughs) to... I'll be rolling around in pain on the couch like I've been doing. Or I'll be standing up, staring at a TV like a lunatic. And I'm the kind of guy who wears my buck shirt even though no one's watching. Like, I'm not a part of a group. (laughs) Just alone in my apartment rooting on my team. It is... uh, Yeah, it's been good. I'm I'm very, very excited for them. And I hope they win. Um, And please root for them. Unless you're rooting for the Suns, in which case, it's cool if they win too, because they've never won before. Um, Yeah, that's all. That's my week, or the two weeks, however long it's been. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) I guess I'm going to move on to my next segment. Here's some more music. Okay. Yep. That was another song. Uh, A pretty, a pretty good piece of business. If you ask me, Um, I've been thinking a lot, um, especially over the past few days about what it means to be an authentic person, authenticity. Um, It's been something I have been Thinking about, especially after all, all the stuff that I have learned about myself, or what I've gone through, or learned about my uh, my triggers and my uh, my behavior towards life, and what what that stems from, um, it's fascinating to me because I I kind of think that's one of the biggest things you should be working towards in life. Uh, and I don't want to. This is okay. So this is the segment of the show where I am going to try to talk about what I've been thinking about, ruminating on, meditating on. Uh, and just kind of talk it out, and if you guys have feedback you 're more than welcome to send your thoughts to me uh, i'd actually appreciate that um, oh, here comes a oh, what is that? Is that a German bomber plane Jesus okay um, anyway so that 's what i 've been thinking about authenticity what it means to be an authentic person and how do you how do you achieve that in life? Um, what I think or what i 've been trying to figure out. Is how does one become an authentic person? Because there's been things in my life where you kind of have to boil down or get below the surface of them in order to get to um, the pure form of that. I don't know if that makes any sense. Um, I'll give an example. All right. So. uh, Let's go with my, my comedy example. All right. I, as a kid was always funny, right? That was always something that I was able to do. I could make people laugh. Um, I had very funny friends. All we did was laugh. They're people who are way, way funnier than me. Um, but either way, that was like a core... That, that's something that I, I'm very, very strongly uh, in favor of and something that I, I'm proud that I have. That morphed and changed, uh, especially after doing comedy uh, professionally, into like this... I don't know what to describe. It's it's mostly ego. Ego blocks so much of what, of what a person is. Ego, from what I can tell, from from myself, is this idea of who I'm meant to be. Right? It's sort of like an animalistic thing. Like, oh, I need to do this, or I am that, and this is me. It's it's how you kind of pump yourself up to feel powerful. Um, the ways you see yourself, and if that if that's ever questioned or broken, then there's no sense of self. Uh so it, it, when I was doing comedy it was mostly just because I didn't recognize this in myself yet um my what was once just a, an inherent quality in myself was then inflated into this thing that I did or that I was you know um oh I make people laugh I made this group of people laugh oh, I did this I made that much I did this in front of that many people um it kind of got just just I don't know how to describe it. Like, what's the word here? Um, Inflated. That's the word. Um, You know, so that... But that that can also lead to pursuing certain things that may take you away from who you actually are. You know, and this can be anything. This could be you're athletic, or it could be you're a great singer, or you could be a really great business person. All these things. Um... It's sort of a quality that you have that can get out of control. What I think authenticity means, because where it took me was, uh, I, once I, then I, eventually I I had sort of this crisis of identity where I was like, oh, maybe that's not me. Maybe I'm more than that. Maybe I realized that I did certain things because of being adopted basically, or not because of being adopted, but of how I coped with being adopted as a kid, um, so all, this, all these things, these things that I had as natural talents, I used as coping mechanisms. So I would make people like me. I basically used comedy and being a comedian or being funny to prove to myself that I was liked or that I was likable or to gain what I was hoping to get um, because I couldn't give it to myself, right? So if you, if you can't give yourself love, you look for it elsewhere, and then when you get a lot of it, it feels great. But when you get none of it or you get worse criticism or or denial, it feels terrible. So it, it's this part of yourself that you have made into a much bigger deal than what it should be. Um, but it's also very fragile. There's a lot that's weighing on it. Um, and this could be for anything. Skills, how you look, your body weight, your your intelligence, you know anything that you can grade yourself on um, can bear a whole bunch of weight to how you feel about yourself um, from what I from what I can tell. Uh, now I'd have no background in psychology. I can all I know is just from what I've been through and what I've had to confront in myself and these are just things that I am ruminating on um, so, Basic... Oh, my stomach's around Oh, I'm hungry. Um, it just... It's interesting because I, I had so much weight and gravity on myself, on being funny, on being the comedian, on being professional. I need to become famous. I'll move to New York. I'll do these things. If I don't do these, I'm not going to be happy. I'm not going to be successful. Um, you know, I was pursuing these things out of a deeper need. I was pursuing these things not because... Um, not necessarily it was the right thing for me to do, but because I was trying to fill the hole that I thought that I had to fill. Uh, when I had my crisis of identity and crisis of um, life about two years ago, um, and I don't know if I've talked about this or, or yet. I can't really quite remember what I've talked about. But basically, I, everything was sort of broken down into who I really was and what I really had done uh, in my life and where, where I really was. Uh, and then I kind of started building up based upon that instead of from this childhood trauma and coping with uh trying to find the things that we're not we're missing from what i what I needed as a kid um this is getting deep holy holy shit um oh well, I don't care if there's another thing that I realized if you've been through stuff or if I've been through stuff, I'm more than happy to share it because this is my one chance to do so. If I can help people even better and life is about sharing who you are with as many people as possible. That's part of authenticity to wrap it up in a nice little bow. Um, so when I had this crisis of faith, I realized or not faith, but crisis of myself, it was sort of like, Oh, I'm not, uh, uh there's something more, uh, that is is not just a comedian, you know. Instead of pursuing these things to fill this need, you, it would never be satisfied. Um, so what I learned was I learned the baseline, or what I've through meditation most mostly and self reflection, I learned like, oh, I've a lot of these things are not true. Um, yes, I'm funny, but. Even if that doesn't happen, I'm still worthwhile or I will still be loved because I have a, a spouse. And also, I started to love myself. And when you start to love yourself or when you can start looking at yourself objectively, you can start to see, oh, I'm good at this. I'm very good at that. These are my skills. These are, and even more importantly, these are where I'm not good at. But even though I'm not good at that does not mean that I'm not good. It's just a part of me. Um... You have to have room for things that you're good at. You can't be good at everything. So um, there has to be then space where you're you're not good, where you lack. Um, but being aware of those things, not only being aware, but not running from them and owning them as, as things of like, yeah, this is me and not being insecure about it. Um, it's sort of like this this powerful space you can be in. You know, yeah, yeah, so what, I, whatever, what, you name it, I'm a little heavy, oh yeah, so what, um, do I eat well, and do I try to exercise, I'll, yeah, that's fine, so it's not, you know, you can't really, if someone were to look at me and say, oh, you're heavy, it's like, yeah, I, I already knew that, um, it's sort of finding this middle ground of being comfortable, of with who you are, uh, comfortable with what you can do, comfortable with your space in the world, comfortable with where you're at currently, um, The interesting thing about that is that the skills that you have, um, they start to carry less weight as well. There's this happy middle ground that I have found, um, and I'm sure many of you have found it as well, where you are not too low about your lows and you're not too high about your highs. You realize that you have both and you're kind of just existing, aware of everything. Um, And that's what I think authenticity is, is being so aware of yourself and being comfortable with yourself, uh, that you, no matter what the circumstance is, can be who you are. You know, whether that's at work or with your friends. The closer those are to each other, I think the more authentic you are. Everyone has your work self or they have your friend self or your parent self. Um, and that's that may never change. That's just human nature. Oh, these are this this is my group here and this is that group there. You have to be a certain level of professional at work. You can be, you know, casual with your friends. There are things I would say around my friends that if I said at work, I would be completely fired. I mean, that's just, and everyone's like that too. (laughs) Um, However, if I said stuff that I said at work with my friends, they'd look at me like I'm crazy. Same with my family. It's all just, you know, there's a place for everything. But I think the closer you can be to being comfortable with every single corner of yourself, every single part of yourself, um, the more authentic you can be. And I think the goal of life, or one of the goals of life, at least one of my goals, is to be as authentic as I possibly can in as many moments as possible. Um, Because when you come from a place of authenticity and you know what your skills are, you know how to practically uh, apply them into into ways that can help people or can impact people positively. Um, You know, ego... I used to have a, I mean, I'm not, everyone has, everyone has ego. And I'm not talking about the Freudian. I don't know that stuff. I'm talking solely about like the, whatever, I guess you can say, I don't even want to say spiritual, philosophical sense of ego. Um, ego is a thing that wants to be powerful. And it looks at ways in which you are powerful. And it looks at ways in which you can influence your will. And you are this. And I am that. And don't you say that about me. Because this is that. And if you say that, I'm going to have to do that. It's a very... Like like pro athletes have a big ego. If you watch Inside the NBA, which I've been doing it, it's interesting. Uh, I think that... <laughs> this is a random tangent. Charles Barkley is one of my favorite people um, to watch. Because he... Is very very self aware. They call him fat. He giggles. He makes jokes about other people. He's he doesn't take himself seriously at all. Um, other pro athletes come on the show, and if you say anything about them, they're just ooh, quick to defend themselves. You know, it's kind of it's kind of interesting. Um, but that's what ego is. Ego is this thing that you have to defend constantly. Um, it's it's keeping up with how the world sees you. It's trying to influence. Oh no, this is true and that. It can get you in some serious serious trouble. Um, I had I had a weird mix of uh, having a very large ego, but then also very, very low self-esteem to balance itself out. Um, I'm glad I did, because if I had my low self-esteem, I would not have tried to do and it was just low self-esteem. Um, I would just uh, I wouldn't have done any of the things that I did in my life, you know, do stand up or or improv or it it gave me the confidence I needed to where my self esteem was lacking. So it helped me get or propel myself into situations that um, I wouldn't have otherwise. So there is, there was a purpose for it, but it also plays with your head and it gets in the way of being authentic because oh they said this about me maybe that's true. Well I'm gonna show. it just it's your thoughts. It's all thought. That's what it is. Um, and thoughts are not necessarily true all the time. Um, and the more you can minimize how much your brain needs to justify stuff or defend itself, the, the, the more you can live happy. <laughs> this is all the stuff that I'm learning now. And I'm so thankful that I, I've been a place where I can, cause I'm way happier than I was before. Um, it's just very interesting, you know, the pursuits of it. If I were still to be piling on that, that part of myself, um, I, I don't think I would. I don't think things would have worked out as well as they have in my life, honestly. Um, now I still do. I mean, ego, everyone's got an ego. This is a human thing. But I think that ego death happens many, many, many times in your life, where you have to confront. Oh, this is really how things are, and you have to then. Sometimes it's painful but you have to then justify and rationalize <laughs> what your life means at that point. Um, and then you move on and, uh, you build up with a little bit more humility. Humility is a very big thing. Um, and I don't think it's denying what you are good at or, or being insecure by saying, Oh no, I am really just bad. I think modesty is knowing that even though you have skills, you also have faults. And more, more importantly, you are human just like everyone else. Um, so that that's more humility than Uh, you know Fake, <laughs> fake modesty Like, oh, stop it Or, oh, no, I'm really t- terrible, you think so You know, it's sort of that that Happy middle ground Um, and obviously the ebbs and flows But that's what I think authenticity is Is being as, as humble Um, and having as much humility Having the most realistic view Of yourself Um, and then being that person In the world Um yeah, that's my, that's my ruination. There you go. That was it. If you have any thoughts, feel free to share them with me. That, that's just something I've been trying to think about. Now the exercise in doing that, I, I'm still working on that, you know, how, how to, how to do it. Um, cause it takes practice. You got to think about your thoughts and you got to think about that, but that's a subject for another time. Um, triggers is going to be the next episode. What, what triggers are and what I've noticed about my triggers. Um, but yeah, that's, that's. Been my goal lately is to be as authentic as possible In as many ways as possible um, And it's tough But it's worthwhile and I've been doing it And that Is that <laughs> uh, We're going to call this Story time <laughs> I'm going to tell you a uh, a humorous, well hopefully humorous Who, who am I to say it's going to be humorous I'm going to tell you a story about something in my life That I find funny uh, And it's going to be a true story um, Of my life And this is a story That I used to tell in my stand-up routine um, It's a true story And it was one of the most Fascinating things that has ever Happened to me I, uh When I first started dating Molly... God, there's so many helicopters. My God. And planes and... Sorry. Okay. I do live next to like a really... Not next to, but close to a tiny little uh, airport. Um, And there's a lot of... I must be in the flight path today. Um... (laughs) Okay. What was I saying? All right. Story. Um, When I first started dating Molly, um, there was one night when she spent the night... I know. Sorry. Sorry, mom. She spent the night. Um, and we got up and we were hungry and I wanted some coffee. And I lived right down the street from a Dunkin' Donuts. Now, I love Dunkin' Donuts. Dunkin' Donuts, there is one near my house as a child. Um, if I'm ever on the road, that's my go-to coffee shop. I love Dunkin' Donuts. Love it. I don't Starbucks is fine, but it's just a little bit too big for its britches. You know, it's too... I don't know. There's just uh, the the Vente and all that jazz. Um, It's just a little bit too pretentious. And every once in a while, I do like a coffee shop, like an independent coffee shop. But those places can be, you know, a little bit full of themselves, too. I, one time, went into a local coffee shop in Milwaukee. And I... Misspoke, And I shouldn't have done this. I asked the gentleman behind the counter. He looked like he was in uh, Blink-182, which is a band. You should Google that so you can get an image. He looked like he was in that band. uh, And I said, hi, I would like a coffee with two shots of espresso. I accidentally said espresso. Sometimes you say things you don't mean to say. I do that a lot. Um, He said, (laughs) oh, no, 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 no. It's actually uh, pronounced Espresso. You'd like two shots of Espresso in your coffee. And I said, yes. Yes, I would. Uh, and what I should have done was I should have come back every other day and said said it just a little bit different to him. Uh, but I didn't. I let it slide. It's fine. I got my coffee. I, I played, just too, too hip for me. I, I look like a gym teacher. So I, I go to Dunkin' Donuts. Love Dunkin' Donuts. I still love Dunkin' Donuts, even though this happened. I took Molly there. We go. We walk in. I say hi. I would like a large black coffee. My lady, she told me what she wanted. Um, She was waiting in the car. Uh, I said uh, she would like a hazelnut coffee with cream. Uh, And then I saw over his shoulder that he had jelly donuts. Now, I... Love jelly donuts. As a retired gym teacher, jelly donuts are my favorite donut. The little powdered frosting, the raspberry... Oh, love them. Love them. Don't like cream-filled donuts. No, I don't don't like that. Jelly-filled donuts, though, yes, please. So I looked over his shoulder, and I said, I would also like two, and I pointed with my fingers, the one, two, the peace sign, two jelly donuts. And he said, I'm going to give you three. To which I said, "That is an even better idea, sir. Thank you." Um, so, and when you pay for stuff, you don't really think about it. who who thinks about it. You just tap the card and run away. So I paid for everything. I tap the card. I get out of there with my three jelly donuts, my two coffees. I get in the car. I give Molly her coffee. I say, "I surprise you." He gave me two jelly donuts, uh, and then he gave me a one for free. And then I look at the receipt, and he charged me for the third jelly donut. So. When he said, I'll give you three, he didn't mean I'm going to give you two and then one for free. He was just telling me what I was going to buy. He, it was the best and worst sales thing that has ever happened to me in my life. This is a true story. I'm going to give you three and he charged me for three. He just told me what I was going to be buying from him. That being said, I still, uh, love Dunkin' Donuts and, uh. Yeah. Anyway, that's my story Ladies and gentlemen uh, Thank you for listening to Life is Funny I'm your host, Jeff Uh, I'm probably going to put some more music at the end of this This is the end of the show, that's all (laughs) Here's some music to play you out I hope you're doing well Look forward to another episode I, I look forward to you downloading this one Peace and love